Hey guys, welcome back to those Murder Girls podcast. I am Raina, your host as always, and today I have an awful case for you. It's actually a case suggestion from my girl Haley. Thank you, Haley. I had never heard this little girl's name, and to me, that was not right. Everyone needs to know her name. So let's get into it. Today, I'm going to be telling you the story of Samaya Downing. Samaya was a sweet, wide-eyed, beautiful four-year-old girl with dark porcelain skin who everybody loved. She was the happiest, sweetest little girl. Samaya also went by Bunny, Minky, and Peanut. That's what her family called her. She loved Dora and she loved Chuck E. Cheese. Samaya was born on Valentine's Day to Monica and Ronald. They didn't stay together very long after Samaya's birth, though, but they were very young. Monica was only 16 and Ronald was 17. Valentine's Day could not have been a better fitting birthday for Samaya. She entered the world so full of love and joy, and she loved celebrating all the holidays. Her favorite was Halloween. Samaya's biological mother, Monica, would start a new job in 2012 when Samaya was four. And knowing that she'd be working some super long hours from there on out, she decided that it was time for Samaya's dad, Ronald Greer, to start spending time with Samaya. The two didn't really have a strong relationship, and so Monica thought, you know, what better time? And Monica lived with a few of her family members, her mom, her grandma, and her great aunt. So my assumption as, you know, an outsider looking in and just researching, I'm just guessing Monica probably didn't want that burden of childcare left on her family members. That's just something that I've come up with. So Ronald agreed to have Samaya spend more time with him at his house. And so the two came up with a custody and visitation agreement that they both agreed upon. Ronald was 21 years old at this time, and he was living with his girlfriend, Bianca Stanch, who he referred to as his wife, but that was only Facebook official. They never got married. They had a one-year-old daughter that they shared together who also lived with them. So it was kind of a nice thought, like these two girls, sisters, can start growing up together and getting to know each other. And later, Bianca's cousin, Sean Stanch, would move in with them later. Soon after Samaya settled in to Ronald and Bianca's care, the couple enrolled her in preschool in August of 2012, and then she started school later the following month at the end of September. Samaya was living with Ronald and the rest of the family for about four months when Ronald began to isolate Samaya from contact with her mother and her mother's side of the family, not sticking to that agreed-upon custody agreement that him and Monica had put in place. Ronald was gone from their house a lot, working and doing his thing, leaving 19-year-old Bianca with both of the girls. It's unclear from our research if Monica ever reached out to Bianca to try to arrange a time to pick up Samaya or visit with her. But whatever the case may have been, like Monica's realizing Ronald just isn't busy missing her calls. Like he's straight up avoiding her. And Monica starts to worry about not being able to get in touch, you know, with her daughter. So finding herself in the sick game of cat and mouse, Monica's getting beyond frustrated. And every time she feels like she's getting close to locating Ronald and Samaya, he picks up his family and he moves. Even his mother couldn't get a hold of him, let alone anyone else. He literally uproots his family at least three times as the story goes on. And we're only talking like in the span of a couple of months. By the beginning of December 2012, all communication between Samaya and her mother and the mother's family is completely cut off. 
during this time as well, concerned neighbors to Ronald, Bianca, and the girls are placing calls to CFS, kind of like CPS, to file official reports of abuse on behalf of Samaya. These callers apparently are making it clear to CFS that something is very, very wrong inside the family home. They are reporting hearing bone-chilling screams and cries, and they're super worried about what's going on inside the house. But no one really does anything. Calls like this would be made for months, and even school teachers questioned some of Samaya's injuries. She walked into school on October 2nd, 2021, with a substantial injury to one of her eyes. And when a teacher asks her what happened, Samaya tells the teacher that Bianca hit her in the face with a belt. So then the teachers go to Ronald, her dad, and ask him about the claims. And he says, no, it was actually her younger brother. Her younger brother accidentally hit her, and that's where the injury came from. Well, her younger brother is the son of Monica. Living with Monica, having no contact with Samaya, he couldn't hit her in the face if he wanted to. They couldn't find her anywhere. So a case manager assigned to Samaya would investigate the alleged abuse, and her findings were unsettling, calling a meeting with other CFS employees to review Samaya's case. And the outcome of the meeting, to no fault of the case manager's own, as we can tell, is that Samaya should remain in the home with Ronald and Bianca, and the calls and reports that were made were unfounded, which is unbelievable. I'm sure this case manager did all that she could, especially while trying to not only juggle Samaya's case and get justice for her, but also her workload of 89 other files, which is apparently five to six times the amount that any case manager should have assigned to them at any time. This case manager was so overloaded that by the time she circled back around to check on Samaya, she was notified that Samaya had passed away 18 days earlier. The system is failing children every single day. And who knows who else on that person's caseload was in need of attention the way that Samaya was because she wasn't the only one, that's for sure. On December 27, 2012, sheriff officials would begin an investigation into the disappearance of four-year-old Samaya Downing based on information given to them by someone close to the family who called 911 to report what they knew. The information within this call was shocking, and sheriffs jumped on it right away, pulling over Ronald Greer just as fast as they could track him down after receiving this alarming tip from... Rayshawn, who was Bianca's cousin that moved in with the family, from his sister's boyfriend. So when sheriffs pull over Ronald, inside the car was only Samaya's little sister sitting in the back seat. Samaya was nowhere to be found. Police questioned Ronald directly, asking him where Samaya was, not beating around the bush, very straightforward, cutting to the chase. And Ronald responds right away very confidently, telling them that she's with her mother. Well, the police knew that this was not the case because Monica hadn't seen or heard from Samaya in months and was worried sick about her. Police now confirming that Samaya is missing, they know that if the person who made the 911 call was telling the truth, that this was not going to be good. During the initial questioning of Bianca and Ronald, the two could not keep their story straight as to where Samaya was. Ronald claimed she was with her mother and then with her grandfather and then with a friend that he had met on social media. But regardless of who he said she was with, he said that she was perfectly safe, perfectly fine, and everything was okay. That was until the sheriffs finally crack him and he admits that four-year-old Samaya is dead. Police, though, cannot get the story straight. 
they're in with Bianca, who they're trying to get to confess, and she won't. So what they do is, is they put Ronald and Bianca in the same room together, and that's when Samaya's story shifts. Okay, she is dead, but we didn't kill her. Rayshawn killed Samaya when Ronald and I were out to dinner on the night of December 15th, 2012. Based on the information and what was found inside the couple's apartment, the sheriffs were led to a shallow grave near Baker, California, which is approximately 30 minutes from Adelanto, where this story takes place. There they find a makeshift grave, and inside that grave is Samaya, wrapped inside her princess sleeping bag, her body covered in signs of torture. The damage to her body wasn't anything that anybody could have been prepared for. Samaya had been brutally beaten while in the care of her father and Bianca, starved and ultimately left alone, dead, for 11 to 12 days in the desert before she was exhumed by authorities. Ronald was arrested, followed by Bianca the next day, and then Rayshawn, all of them in connection with Samaya's murder. Her family was devastated. The trials for Ronald and Bianca would be delayed by the defense and Ronald for years, in excess of 20 times. The prosecution and others believe that this was a defense tactic that they were using to weaken the prosecution's case. The more time that goes by, people's memories fade, maybe the evidence doesn't hold up the way that it would have if the case got the attention that it needed, you know, in a timely manner. The case would also be delayed one or two times to determine Rayshon's mental health capacity and whether or not he would be fit to stand trial. Ronald changed attorneys countless times between 2013 and 2019, and then the pandemic hit, and the case against Bianca and Ronald was delayed yet again. Once the courts opened up, the prosecution begged for Samaya's case to be heard in a timely manner because it had already been over eight years since she had been murdered, so it was definitely time. Based on Rayshawn's testimony, things had not been great inside the household for little Samaya. Rayshawn would testify for countless hours against Bianca and Ronald in exchange for a plea deal. A plea deal that you guys will not believe. I'm going to get there. So Rayshawn had been living with Ronald and Bianca for a few weeks prior to Samaya's death. And he goes into detail about all the things that he's seen. We just can't think about why he didn't kill Bianca and Ronald himself. What made Samaya so vulnerable? What made Samaya so easy to look past, to completely ignore? How did Rayshawn ignore blood-curdling cries that neighbors called in while he is sitting in the next room or maybe in the same room while Samaya is being tortured to death? How do you ignore something like that? Daily beatings with belts and cords scarred and bruised Samaya all over her tiny body, her face, her tummy, her head, her back, her arms, her legs, her ankles, her hands. And did she not only have wounds on her hands, but she had defensive wounds on her hands. And on top of that, she had a busted forehead when she was found. Bianca brutalized Samaya. And she did this in the presence of Bianca's dad, Ronald, and of course, Rayshawn. And neither one of them did anything about it. Mind you, this is also taking place in front of Samaya's little one-year-old sister, which I cannot even fathom. We all know what domestic violence 
abuse, verbal abuse can do to children, even when they can't talk. It has an effect on them. And this little girl was there. Not only Samaya, but another little girl. I just cannot even process it. So during the trial, prosecutors would paint a devastating picture of Bianca's relationship with Samaya, which was non-existent. Prosecutors said that Bianca had an extreme dislike for this little girl. And Bianca, a mother herself to a little girl, I have to wonder where does this hate come from for this four-year-old girl? How do you feel the need to torture her in unimaginable ways? Bianca, you are a babysitting age when this happens. Like you're a teenage girl and you killed this little girl. Like what is wrong with you? Rayshawn testified that one or two days prior to Samaya's death, Bianca had made some sort of shrimp dinner and Samaya, being four years old, like duh, didn't want it. She didn't like it. And instead of making Samaya a kid-friendly meal, throwing some chicken nuggets at her, she instead takes little Samaya to her bedroom, beats her, locks her in there, didn't give her anything to eat, didn't give her a drop of water, not only at that moment, but for what's going to be the rest of Samaya's life. The one thing that these assholes did right in all of this that they did to Samaya was where they left her body in a cold desert. And I know that that sounds awful to say, but because of the location and the temperature of the environment that Samaya was left in, her body was well-preserved at the time she was found. And this was huge for the prosecution. Enduring those daily beatings were the norm for Samaya. And the withholding of water as a punishment was Bianca and Ronald's go-to. They would lock her in her room for hours. They would have her standing in corner for hours. They would use the deadbolt on the outside of Samaya's bedroom door to keep her in. Samaya was starving. She was thirsty. She was alone. She was scared. And she was an unimaginable pain that none of us can even fathom. So thirsty, one day Samaya, we don't know how, manages to escape her room. And she is desperately looking for a drop of something to drink. And the only thing that she can find is bleach. And she drinks it. Bleach that she found underneath the kitchen cabinet. Like I said, I just, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. And this is why I'm telling this story because there isn't that much exposure on Samaya's story. Not via podcast, not on YouTube or anything. And this shit is happening all around us, you guys. And the neighbors that called and tried to help her, God bless them. We don't know why they couldn't have done more. I mean, I'm not putting it on anyone. I've been in this situation before where I've called the cops numerous times in regard to abuse. And I know what it's like to not want to get involved. But... Whatever the case may have been, I just know I didn't stop calling until something was done. And who knows how many times they called. I'm I'm speaking out of school. I'm just saying that, you know, we need to be on top of this as a society and be aware of the signs and know that your first phone call might not get as far as you think. And you might need to escalate that phone call and call a different agency, call different authorities. Don't stop calling authorities. We need to help these children. We need to help the Samayas. We need to help the Gabriel Hernandezes. We need to help them. We need to be there for them. 
because they don't have a voice. We are their voice. And if you look back on the Memorial Facebook page for Samaya, which I have linked in my bio, social media, and in the show notes, you're going to see this little girl who was healthy, happy, always smiling, and you can tell that she was very well cared for until these monsters got a hold of her. So more than 20 witnesses, including friends, families, and teachers, were called for testimony in court, and they recounted so many incidents. And one that just stuck with me was the fact that Bianca would duct tape Samaya's wrists and ankles together overnight just to be sure she couldn't access water while anybody slept. Samaya, her beatings were ruthless. Like I said, cords were used on her, belts were used on her leaving U-shaped injuries all over her body from her head down to her feet. New wounds piling up over the older ones. It's a miracle that Samaya even lived as long as she did. And I don't know how she did just being in so much pain. These daily beatings and the starvation, being restricted from accessing water, was beyond anything you and I could imagine. But can you imagine being Samaya, being hungry, being thirsty, and then seeing your little sister treated like an actual human being? She wasn't beaten. She wasn't screamed at. She wasn't starved. She wasn't slapped. She wasn't punched. What was Samaya thinking? She was wondering what she did so wrong to be treated so much differently than her little sister. Can you guys imagine that? Can you imagine being so thirsty that by the time you're given water, it's boiling water and it's poured on your shoulders all down your back? Because that was the case for Samaya. In the presence of Ronald, in the presence of Rayshawn, boiling water was poured down her back by Bianca. The excruciating pain that she must have been in. The cries that she must have been letting out. The screams that all three of them inside that house would have heard. I don't know how. I just don't. I just, I, I, I can't imagine. So Bianca would go on to testify that Samaya was, quote, lethargic and sleepy the last time she's seen her alive. No shit, bitch. She was dying. You slowly killed her. Samaya ended up passing from severe dehydration, not even her injuries. She lived through the injuries. She fought through the pain, but her body couldn't hold on without liquids. We don't know when Samaya took her last breath for sure, but investigators think that it was somewhere around the evening of December 15th, 2012, according to Rayshawn's best recollection. Bianca claims to not know the date, but we know she knows. So on the night of December 15th, Bianca, I think it's safe to say that she beat Samaya for the very last time. And when she locked her in her room, she knew that Samaya was either dead or going to be by the time she got home from dinner. When they returned that night, Samaya was gone and they wrapped her body inside of that princess sleeping bag that she was found in and she was deserted in the desert all by herself. Like I said, her official cause of death was dehydration. Somebody could have helped her. Any of the witnesses, anybody who knew that she was being duct taped, 
the CFS worker, law enforcement, neighbors, not that they were all there, but I'm just saying, if somebody would given her a fucking glass of water, she would have lived. She could have lived at least a little bit longer. And who knows how that would have helped her body. And she could have possibly been taken back to her mommy where she was loved and cared for. And she would be here with us today. And that's a fact according to her autopsy. And somewhere within the research, and I'm going to be super honest with you, I was taking my notes. I went back to find the source and I couldn't find it. I think it's within the Facebook threads in the comments where it's mentioned that Samaya had also suffered a stroke before she passed away. So before Samaya began this extended visit with her dad that went all wrong, she was anticipating her next birthday when she would turn five. And she was already asking everybody who she wanted to be there if they were coming to her party. This just goes to show when you look at her photo and you know how happy she was, these are the things that she was thinking about. She was a carefree little girl until these fucking assholes got a hold of her. So when she was found covered with dirt and rocks where Bianca, Ronald, and Rayshawn left her, she was in the fifth percentile for children her age. The fifth percentile. That's a drastic change in just a couple of months. There were now 95% of children at the age of four that were bigger than her. That's crazy. That's insane what her body and what she went through. And who knows, under those dirt and rocks, if she would have ever been found. She wasn't found until Rayshawn moved out of the apartment with Bianca and Ronald that he confessed to his sister and her boyfriend. And that's when the boyfriend immediately picked up the phone and called 911. Thank you so much. I hope you're listening to this. And I hope you know you did everything you could have done. And I think if you knew that this was going on before she passed, you would have saved her life. Samaya's story of abuse and torture isn't anything that any child should ever be subject to. And she's not the only one. We hear these stories all the time, and I'm sure there are hundreds, if not thousands of stories in my state alone that we don't even know yet. During the trial, Ronald would represent himself And during his testimony, he claimed to have adopted this new addiction to drugs and alcohol around the time of Samaya's death, claiming that his constant use of coke and being wasted were to blame for him not knowing and not being aware of any of the torture being inflicted on Samaya by Bianca. And that the only time he ever or they ever withheld water from Samaya was shortly before bedtime to keep her from wetting the bed bullshit and that's actually exactly what the drug test showed at the time of Ronald's arrest he didn't have any trace of any of the chemicals that he should have had if he was doing coke on a regular basis let alone in recent days especially in the high amounts of it that he was claiming to have been doing on October 6 2020 almost nine years after Bianca and Ronald killed Samaya they were finally sentenced after a six-week trial Ronald and Bianca were sentenced to only 32 years to life, which is barely enough for the injuries that she had on her arms. Rayshawn was sentenced to 40 days in jail in exchange for his plea deal. 40 days, you guys. 40 days for being present for weeks on end witnessing Samaya's prolonged death. 
he had admitted to being inside of the apartment for 24 hours a day, pretty much every single day while he lived there, witnessing the things that happened to Samaya. He even admitted to being the driver that drove Samaya's body out to her makeshift grave in the middle of the desert where they left her. This plea deal to me is insane, but as I did my research, I thought to myself, you know what, maybe this is necessary because Rayshawn did have disabilities and the question as to whether or not he would be fit for trial in the beginning, you know, was brought up a few times. So I'm pretty sure it was more complex than that, but I'm thinking maybe that was the gist of it. Samaya was given a proper burial on January 9th, 2013, almost a month after she was killed. Samaya's grandmother now speaks to her through that memorial Facebook page that's dedicated to Samaya's life and legacy. Her grandma celebrates every holiday here on earth as she knows that Samaya is celebrating in heaven. She decorates her gravesite just the way she knows that her baby girl would want it with flowers, candy, and balloons. All because these people, and I use that term loosely, slowly tortured Samaya to death or stood around and allowed it to happen. So the two guys in this story had prior criminal records and Rayshawn's included crimes against children. And he is free as fuck today walking the streets. So if you live in San Bernardino County, watch your babies because he is out there walking the streets. Bianca will be eligible for parole in January 2036 at the age of 42, and Ronald will be 44 when he is eligible in 2035. How is that even fair? Even at that point, they still have so much of their lives ahead of them to live. It is beyond frustrating, and I hope and pray every fucking day that they don't get credit for any sort of time served or good behavior or whatever else you can get in prison. Like, they need to stay in prison for as long as possible. And I'm kind of thinking that they also need to receive this script in the mail. Like, what do you guys think? I have their address. I'm thinking about just sending them, you know, a few copies every now and then. That way they don't have a chance to forget about Samaya because she obviously wasn't that important to them. And I think that ignoring her and pretending like she never existed is probably one of the easiest things that they would be able to do in their lifetime. I want them trying to forget Samaya to be as hard as it is to like sleep in prison or as hard as it is to get some privacy in prison. The fuck if they should ever, ever be gifted and blessed with the chance to ignore what they did to her and not see her face on a daily basis. <laughs> 